Hey, this is Barbara Corker, and you are now tuned in to Business Unusual. And everything you ever learned about business, throw it out the window. I'm going to tell you the real deal. Listen in. Today, I'm going to answer all your burning questions about work, life, starting a company, getting on track, and much, much more. Be sure to call in to the Business Unusual hotline with your question at 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. Credit card debt. Dun, 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 dun. A bad word today. No one wants it, but a lot of people have it. So today I'm talking to a young man who's got too much debt, and I'm going to give him my practical tips on paying it back without letting it set him back. Listen in. There's a lot to learn. And stick around for a new round of rapid-fire questions. Hi, Barbara. My name is Austin, and I am a 23-year-old male just out here living life. I am currently in the process of paying back a bunch of loans, and I was curious, what's the best strategy on paying back loans? Should I pay back all all of them a little bit at a time? Should I pay one more than the other? And what's the best strategy for someone as young as me to save money and really secure my future at this age of 23? Thanks so much. Hi, Barbara. How are you? I'm doing, doing well. How are you? Good. How are you doing just, quote, living life? You said, here, I'm living life. Um, living, living life? All I, I feel like all I do is work anymore. I work and then I go home and just sleep and I wake up and I'm back at work. So that's my <laughs> living life. Yeah. You look to me like a guy that would be just on your skateboard all day. I'm surprised to hear you're working all the time. Working at what? You're only 23. You've been out of school, what, two years maybe? Yeah, I've been out of school for about three years. And right now I work as a supply chain analyst. Okay. Why do you call that supply chain analyst? Analyst puts my head in a different place. Um, That's what the position is called. uh, But basically my job is to look at Procter & Gamble and see what their supply chain needs are as far as what uh, labels they're requiring, as far as what materials they need um, to help adhere those labels to the bottles. Um, So basically all I do is look at supply chain data from them all day long. Um, And yeah, that's why they call me supply chain analyst. Okay, now it makes sense. Um, May I ask you, this is all with an eye toward then supplying them with the right labels or supplying them with the raw materials to make their own labels? Um, So I look at our supply chain for our raw raw material to produce the labels in-house. And then I look at their supply chain for the labels they need um, because they don't do anything except adhere them to the bottles or to, you know, the little caps. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just look at what they're requiring from us that's already made. Okay. So the, uh, the food manufacturer, for example, or the deodorant manufacturer would, uh, outsource to your company and then you do the analysis to fit the bill. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Do, do you, how much do you like your job? Um, on a one to 10, I'm probably at about a three right now. Yeah. Um, I'm at the point where I didn't get a lot of college education and, um, I wanted something where I felt like I would make a good income and I would be very stable with that income, but I'm battling the issue right now of do I want to continue what I'm doing and earn a good income or do I want to take a risk and go pursue a dream or a passion of mine um, and potentially make less? And what would your dream or passion be and could you afford to make less? 
Um, so right now I couldn't afford to make less, but my dream or passion would be um, to become a pilot. But I have always kind of been down on luck with that because I'm a type one diabetic. So the FA, FFA says, um, no, you can't do that. Um, because you're a liability, we can't put you up in the air, you can't get a pilot's license or anything like that, at least commercially. Um, but to do it privately, it's like $10,000. And where I'm at pay-wise right now, I can't afford that. Uh -huh. you, have, you, mentioned you, you mentioned you had student debt. What, is, what was that for, if not college debt or pilot debt or what? Oh, it was actually a credit card that my girlfriend has student debt, but um, I went to... Um, a community college and all my student debts paid off. Uh -huh. Oh, so you really don't have, to, is your girlfriend's debt your problem as well? Uh, no, she's actually made that kind of known that that's hers to take care of. Um, obviously, I would like to be able to support her and help her out with that. I think it's in the neighborhood of like $15,000. Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah, that's, that's going to be hers. Um, I'm a little confused because in your question, you said, I was curious, what's the best strategy on paying back loans? Should I pay back all of them a little bit out of time? Do you still owe money or not? I, I just, I'm yeah, yeah. Sense. So when I was younger um, or a couple years ago, I took out loans from different companies and stuff because I wasn't making enough money at my job and I needed money to either go do, um, you know, fun things I want to do or invest in hobbies. Um, so I took out small loans from different companies online upwards in the neighborhood of like 800 to $900. Um, and then I've very, very slowly been paying them off, but they kind of added up. And I guess my question was, is, is it better to pay off one first and get it out of the way or pay them off all separately? Because I know they affect your credit score. Um, so I guess that's what I was confused on is if it's better financially to go down one route or add a little bit into each one and um, go from there. A couple of, uh, you could really do it any old way. I think it's more psychological than it is a financial decision. I'll address it in a minute. Uh, but how much debt do you owe? What does it accumulate to? I would probably say around thirty-five to four thousand dollars, thirty-five hundred to four thousand. Okay. Could you afford to? pay that down in the next 12 months and get rid of it based on your current salary? At this moment, no. Um, I'm probably saving an average of three to 400 a month, um, just putting in my savings after we buy groceries and pay for the apartment we're living in. Oh, so what if you apply that three to $400 a month that you're now saving to getting rid of the debt? How long would it take you to pay that off? Um, because it must be accumulating in interest rates. It's interest on interest on interest. It's like a right, no right. way it, down, you know? It keeps getting worse and worse. And my thing is, is I'm scared to take all of my savings money and apply it that I get every month because then I wouldn't have anything to fall on in case of an emergency. Okay. Um, so if I were to do it, I would want to do like maybe 100 to $200 a month just to loans and to um, my credit card debt. And I, I don't know how long that would take, maybe two years to get all of it paid off completely. How about taking a second job just for the sake of getting rid of that monkey off your back? I haven't, I haven't given that much thought. Um, right now I work eight to five Monday through Friday and I do enjoy the time I have off, but I haven't given that much thought, but that is a great idea. I wonder, uh, I don't know, it's different when you have a specific extra something that you're doing for an, a purpose that would benefit you. 
um, getting, I remember having student debt when I got out of college because I funded the whole thing, right. uh, which now seems like such a small amount of money, but it wasn't to me then, you know? And um, I remember uh, working only two jobs for about eight months and I paid the damn thing off. I felt like somebody had let me out of jail. It weighed on me, frankly, more uh, than I think it should have. Somehow it's always on my back, always on my, and, and was growing. I'm like, I'm paying it off, but it's growing. I felt like I was a no-win game. Um, you're a young guy. Uh, you're attractive. You have good energy. You're well-spoken. Uh, you pro probably are even going to learn how to be cool on your skateboard really easily. You look like that type. <laughs> um, I can't imagine why you wouldn't go out immediately and get a job and get get that paid off. Right. Um, something I guess I, I would also struggle with there is that, um, you know, I obviously focus on my relationship with my girlfriend, um, but should I prioritize, you know, working and paying off these finances first and kind of not put my relationship on the back burner? Um, because obviously the time I have off outside of work, I spend with her probably 95% of my time off. I'm with her. Um, should I have a conversation with her and say, Hey, look, I've got to get this debt paid off or otherwise we're not going to be very successful in the future. Or I won't get a home loan. Um, won't be able to get another credit card. Um, is that a conversation I should have with her? What do you think? I think, yeah, I should give her that conversation. And um, I think give her the, uh, the benefit of maybe her receiving that well and yeah. loving you enough that wants to see you and maybe even uh, going up a few notches in her head as a guy who's driven and determined uh, to do the best he can. Uh, that's almost more loving than shared time, I think, for a lot of women, for a lot of partners uh it's it's a compliment actually to them i, I want to be better than i am right now and this is what i'm doing um i think you know what to do there um, i want to ask you a technical yeah. question about the debt have you thought about consolidating it rolling it into one loan there's companies that do that um i i have seen stuff like that but i've never applied for it and i'm not exactly too sure on how that works um, is it basically I take out a bigger loan, but it pays that stuff. And then I just owe one on one loan. Not exactly. How it works is you go to uh, people that are consolidated, loan consolidators, and you get a new loan at a low set rate that doesn't grow on itself. It's not interest on interest. They pay it off. And then you're just paying that debt off with them. It, it brings down your monthly costs substantially because the interest rate goes down and it's not interest on interest. Yeah. Yeah, I would look into that. I don't think your debt is that big that it's a big deal, but I think the weight on your shoulders is big. I can feel it. Yeah. You know, you thought about it, you thought through it. The only piece you stop short on is how do I get rid of it? How do Absolutely. I? And I agree with you. Keep your money in your bank. I've owed so much money in my life, but whenever I've had cash, I act like I don't even have it. I just keep it there. Something, something about having cash anywhere makes you feel more grounded. Like. Like almost like you go into a war, you got your stack, <laughs> no matter how small it is, you know? I listened, I was listening to your podcast actually the other day and I was on the episode, I think you were talking with Kevin um, about how you went out with only cash one week, put the debit card on the, oh, um, put the brutal. debit card away. Yeah. And you realized exactly where your money was going and how much you were spending. Yeah. Would you, would you recommend that for me at my yeah, age? I bet, I bet you're still a big spender. I bet you still are. You know, yeah. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be. Now I want to go on to something more important that you said to me that struck me. 
you said, what's the best strategy for someone as young as me to save money and really secure my future at this age of 23? I actually laughed out loud when I read that. Secure your future at 23. Here's my theory on that. I don't think your 20s are the time to save. I'm just not a believer in that. I think the 20s are meant as a time to experiment on finding your true God in life or your true calling in life or your true love of life or lustful life or whatever. And it doesn't mean it's a time for partying. And I'll quote my colleague on Shark Tank, Mark Cuban. He says, you could party or you could build a business, but you can't do both. You know, you could party and you could grow rich, but you can't do both. <laughs> and it's really true. So you're having fun. It should be a time of joy. You have your girlfriend, uh, you're discovering life. But I think the idea of keeping a job that you rate as a three and keeping a job that you rate as a three and saving money on the side sounds kind of responsible. You're too young for that stuff. I think the best jobs in the world are the jobs you take on because you could learn who you are. Try this on, try that on. If you're not in love with what you're doing, there's no shame in changing jobs every six months. It's no longer a terrible thing on your resume. You're finding yourself. If you were to uh, pursue the dream you told me about, uh, what would your first step there be? Uh, the first step for me would be going and finding a program near me that offers schooling and training um, and a, a pathway uh, to becoming a pilot or getting your private pilot's license. Why don't you just spend the next week, some of your spare time, answering that question, finding out what your options are. But then by the second week, uh, spend your extra time on finding a part-time job and figure out how long you have to keep it. Okay. Do you, have, you don't have a car or do you have a car? I, I do have a car. You could be an Uber driver at night. Uh, cost of getting in, I, th I think it's negligible if, if, if at all anything. Uh, you could get a job wrapping around your regular business hours. What's wrong with sticking with the job that you hate, or I shouldn't say hate, I call it hate, score it as a three, and working a night job that you'll probably also score as a three, but knowing at the end of that tunnel in four months time, eight months time, you're home free, you're home free to go and pursue your dream. And you already have the information. Even if you find with that flying information, uh, you can't really act on it for another year because it takes tuition. Uh, you have some of the qualification, the program doesn't start on time, whatever it is, somehow writing it down and getting it on right there front and center gives you a goal to run for it. And whatever you're doing to run for it, all of a sudden isn't so painful because you get this giant reward called a dream at the end of it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, know, I never thought about it that way. I guess my vision's been really short, short term and not you know, the big end goal there, but that's and really good advice. Enough. You're old enough to have a big end goal and you certainly strike me as capable enough. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara. I appreciate that a lot. Okay, so nice hanging out with you. Absolutely. Barbara, Jonathan Medina, Ventura, California. Um, I just had a question that I would love for you to cover in your show. A couple of times I've heard you talk about the value that Esther brought to your business, and I would really like to hear you elaborate on that. What specifically did she do beyond being just very methodical and systematic and things like that? Um, I think that would be useful for a whole lot of people. Or better yet, interview her. That would be even better. 
Thanks. Love your show. Thanks. Bye. Jonathan, that's a great idea. I can't believe I didn't think of that myself. I'm texting her right now. <laughs> I'm definitely interviewing Esther. I can't wait to hear what she has to say. She was so busy working, and I was so busy working all those years that we didn't have a lot of conversation, actually. We just did our jobs 150%. So I'm more curious than you to interview Esther Kaplan, and I'm going to do that. There goes out the text. She's going to say yes, and if she says no, I'll talk her into it. Great idea. So what did Esther do for me? Well, I've talked about her as being my opposite in her skill sets and her abilities. So what Esther did is she ran personnel. Not that I wasn't good with people, but I get impatient sometimes. Esther would take an interview and listen to every answer and make an accurate assessment of the people we hired. I wasn't capable of doing that. I got swayed by personality. I got caught up in enthusiasm and often made my decision based on how much I like someone, which is important. But I didn't ask those fine detailed questions that only Esther could ask. She accurately interviewed. Esther dealt with the banks. There was something about Esther's presence, her knowledge of numbers, her ability to answer details about numbers that I could never ever do if I went to Harvard for four years. I couldn't do it, but Esther could. So she made banks comfortable. She made banks willing to extend our credit lines as our business grew. They didn't challenge her. They believed her and they should have because she was entirely valid in everything that she said. Esther led us into the internet. It was my idea, but once I had the idea, it was Esther who made sure everything that we tried was accounted for, that we tried different things, that she eliminated what didn't work and she included what was working and did more of it. That was Esther. I would start the project, be excited, and then lose interest six months later. Esther didn't lose interest because she didn't want to waste money. And that was the most important thing that Esther Kaplan did for me. She didn't waste money. She knew every penny in that business, how it was being spent, how it was being wasted, and she would eliminate any waste in the company. So without Esther, would I have had the funds to build the business, to constantly reinvest in the Corcoran Group and build it to what it was? Absolutely not without Esther Kaplan. No chance. I sometimes used to wonder, could I have hired an employee versus have a partner who would do all that for me? Possibly. But could I have found an employee who would do it with their heart and soul and love the business and work the hours she worked building the business with me if she hadn't been a partner? Absolutely not. Best decision I ever made was hiring Esther Kaplan, and the second best decision I ever made was making her my partner. Hey, some of my best questions, honest to God, come into my Business Unusual Facebook group. I'm going to answer those questions today. We're going to try it rapid fire style, 30 seconds or less. And by the way, if you're interested in business, don't miss my Business Unusual Facebook group. We have the coolest conversations going on there. I'm learning more from people than they're learning from me. Okay, we're ready for rapid fire right now. Quick questions, quick answers. And for a little help today, I'm bringing in my chipmunks. You know why? They talk fast, so they're going to help me stay on track. Is it a good idea to go into business with a friend? I can tell you it usually isn't a good idea. And most businesses started with a friend do not work out because friendship doesn't translate well to business partnerships, not naturally. 
But there are exceptions. I'll give you one exception, which is my great business, Cousins Maine Lobster, started by two cousins and two friends. They were so close to each other, but they were smart enough to know that they might not make great business partners, so they took a personality test before they even started their business and found out who was good at what and decided before they started their business who was going to be in charge of what, and they built a fence between their responsibilities. And guess what? Their business is usually successful, and they work together like perfect fitting pieces to the same puzzle. So even though the cards are stacked against you, starting a business with a friend, you can beat the system if you're really smart about how you approach it in the first place. How can I stay productive in a toxic work environment? Well, I'm here to tell you that you won't. You won't, you can't. So you should be going out and getting a new job. You know why it never works for an employee in a toxic environment? Is because no goodness can grow in a toxic environment. Your potential won't come out, your attitude will sour, you lose your confidence that maybe you're not good enough. Come on. The most important thing in any position you'll ever hold is who you're working for. If you work for a great boss who brings out the best in you, you will love it. You'll do better at work every time. If you work for someone who's toxic, the whole company is affected by that personality. If that person is in the lead of the company or in the lead of even your department, you cannot succeed. So I say again, go out and find yourself a new job. Don't waste another minute there. There are plenty of great bosses around. And that's all we have time for today. If you have a question, leave me a voicemail on the Business Unusual hotline, 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. You can also tweet it to me at Barbara Corcoran, and I may just answer it on a future episode. You've been listening to Business Unusual with me, Barbara Corcoran. Come back next week to hear more steps and missteps I took on the path to success. Search and follow Business Unusual on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.